0: What's good, everybody? You're listening to Our Future, a podcast for young leaders that explores the key conversations driving the future of business, technology, and policy. Every week, I chop it up with leaders, innovators, and entrepreneurs who not only tell incredible stories, but provide a glimpse of what's to come. Today's episode explores the future of identity. Technology has changed every part of our lives, but it has not yet changed identity. We still carry around a plastic ID card to prove who we are. I'm joined today by Susan Dorak, founder and CEO of Real Identities, to ask questions about how we prove who people are right now and how that's going to change going forward. Susan, thank you for being on the show.
1: Michael, thank you so much. I'm so excited to talk about the future of identity.
0: Now, it might seem kind of ironic you're discussing this with an underage Michigan student. I'm not yet 21, unfortunately, but you have started this really cool company called Real Identities. And it stops people from lying about who they are by leveraging the power of technology. I want to hear about your backstory, and I want to hear about how you arrived at this business idea.
1: It has been a really exciting journey. So I started um, at UCLA. I did my undergraduate work at UCLA. I went to law school in Silicon Valley at Santa Clara University. I spent my career with some of the country's largest and most renowned law firms, including Pillsbury, Fenwick, and ultimately Cooley. Um, And it was there that I developed a passion for teaching, especially for teaching compliance. Laws are not easy to comply with in the United States, but if you can break it down into little palatable bits, people can comply. And so specifically as it relates to real identities, I was struck by the speed and the depth of the damage caused by fake IDs. So I contacted some of the most brilliant people that I'd met through my career who had started some of the you know largest companies in the country. And I said, hey, I want to start a social responsibility company. Let's make an impact. And I became an entrepreneur. I founded Real Identities. We built an app called ID.Training. And it helps people tell the difference between real IDs and fake IDs. And it helps them comply with really complex laws related to identification.
0: So Real Identities, that's a pretty literal name. Did you just come up with it like, you know, we're no BS, like we are proving identities here? Or was it like, oh, we need some cool Silicon Valley tech name? How how did that
1: happen? (laughs) That's exactly right. You know, we decided not to go with a mashup and we wanted our name to reflect exactly who we are and what we do. And so we went with Real Identities. It's who we are. It reflects our brand.
0: So I kind of want to get into like the tech that's underlying this compliance. So I get the Ferrari valet, I walk into a restaurant with my hot date. Uh, we both happen to be, you know, uh, 20 years old, uh, go to order a, a very nice bottle of red wine and we are rejected. Um, so why would a restaurant that subscribed to your business, that uses your app, uh, be able to spot that? Why would the waiter have been able to, to, to say, hey, you know, that doesn't look right, uh, This kid thinks he's, you know, hot stuff. He's not getting served.
1: Got it. If that restaurant has our app, your ID's got no chance. So here's how it works. The waiter has an obligation to check ID. So they're going to check ID. But with nearly 1,000 valid versions of ID in the United States, if you think about 50 states, D.C., the territories, all with valid versions and variations, there are over 1,000 valid versions of driver license and identification cards. There's no way your waiter or anybody can keep them all straight. So that's the problem we solved. We put them all together in one app. So how it works is like this. The app can be used on any device that has an internet connection. So your waiter might have a cell phone, a tablet, a point of sale system, whatever it is they're using. You present your ID, the waiter taps on the state, taps on the version, and instantly gets access to visuals side by side of real IDs and fake IDs we track the fake ID market daily. We know exactly the mistakes they're making, and the waiter can instantly see whether your ID is real or fake. So, sorry to say, your ID has no chance.
0: You know, sometimes people will, you know, show me theirs and be, i be like, oh, that you know, looks pretty good. That that uh, that looks like a, a real ID. But I mean, you are probably looking at some very, very good fakes to to test your product against are they getting better like are the forgers getting smarter are they
1: using new tech like while you're using new tech right so you know fake ids are becoming increasingly more sophisticated anything you need to create a fake id is readily available in fact some of the materials that the DMEs use to create fake ids are commercially available so it's getting harder and harder to tell a fake but it can be done because forgers make mistakes we find those mistakes and we point them out so If you think about fake ids there's really three forms one and the number one fake id for alcohol or any controlled product cannabis tobacco whatnot is a borrowed or stolen id that id is going to fly right through an id scanner because it's a real id so whoever's checking your id has an obligation to make sure that you're the person presenting the id then there's forged or altered ids where you get an id and you change the data on it etc the third and final category is purchased id and that is where most of the fake IDs are coming from. It's the most common and it's incredibly lucrative. In fact, some forgers, particularly Chinese forgers, it's one of the most popular, but they certainly operate from around the world. Um, some of the Chinese forgers brag about getting 10,000 requests a day for fake IDs. So um, there are large rings here. Also in the United States, there was one known as the Ted dancing ring operated on you know, Reddit and for five years, a group of Really, really smart people. In fact, it was only four people operated one of the most prolific fake ID rings uh, in this country. In fact, for the U.S. ring I just mentioned, there was one kid who was 18 years old, bought a fake ID through them, used the fake ID to purchase a handgun, and he wound up killing a New York City cop. So there are some really crazy things that happen with fake IDs.
0: And you mentioned that, you know, the Oklahoma City bombing, that was a fake. The Las Vegas shooter, like, it's not just, you know, a kid getting a bottle of whiskey – this is like serious enablement of mass crimes. Is that, that, that's part of the story, right?
1: That's exactly right. And terrorism, human trafficking, domestic violence, there are a lot of really serious crimes that happen around this country and all over the world by the use of fake IDs. They could not happen without the use of fake IDs. So you hit the nail on the head. The Las Vegas shooter, the Oklahoma City bomber, the 9-11 terrorists, all of those crimes were committed with the use of fake IDs.
0: So Real Identities, uh, it has this uh, this product, it's it, it's doing a social good, it's preventing these catastrophes from occurring. But what makes it disruptive, right? Like before you came and, and, and shook the cage, what were waiters being trained to, to to do? Were they just being brought in the back room by their boss saying, hey? look out for this like like little thing and it being very broad in general and not working at all? Or were there like are there, is there kind of some curriculum for waiters and retailers?
1: Well, you know, it's interesting because I talk to people who check ID all over the country and I ask them all the time, how are you taught to check ID? And a lot of people will say, oh, my manager just told me to make sure the ID looks and feels real. Right, right, right it can't happen there are over 1,000 valid versions of driver license in the united states what looks real what feels real they're all different there are no common denominators so aside from that very very brief training there's some live training that you know might take place in person or when i say live training in a human being it might even be a video but in a two to four hour video there's about 10 minutes of training the books are outdated before they go to print and the scanners are completely worthless so a lot of people in this country check IDs by taking a little piece of plastic called an ID and sliding it through a little slot called a scanner and trying to authenticate or validate an ID when like nothing of the sort is happening. That scanner is simply reading an ID. So the reality is human beings need to check ID.
0: So human beings, Susan, they have to check them. But small businesses, mom and pop shops that enjoy extra business from... From young people that are uh, illegally purchasing their products, like what would you say that mix is of actually getting deceived and and kind of a a willful negligence, if you will?
1: Yeah, it's interesting. You know, when I talk to these people, I have to say that there's less apathy than one might think. You know, a lot of people say, "Oh, these people are standing on their feet all day, every day, making a living. What do they care?" That's one kid getting booze. They make a sale. They make a profit. And you know, the reality is, people do care. The problem is they don't know how to check ids they've never been taught to check ids there hasn't been a resource until now in fact you were asking about how we were a disruptive company we were disruptive because now certain states are saying we will no longer accept and i'm using air quotes here i swipe the id as a valid defense to an underage service claim that is not a proper or thorough way of checking an id you've got to have something that shows you 24 7 access to thousands of IDs with all those little nuances and differences to say, that's real, that's fake.
0: So I want to congratulate you uh, first and foremost. Uh, you you become a NASDAQ milestone maker, which I think is a, a pretty elite cohort of uh, movers and shakers. So, uh, you know, in terms of those milestones, what major events uh, has your company uh, uh, achieved lately?
1: Thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah, we were very pleased to become a NASDAQ milestone maker. So. We have already launched into multiple state agencies and we recently launched into a Fortune 500 company, hundreds of locations all over the United States, each with at least a thousand employees. Um, So we're really trying to make an impact. We have a top-down marketing schematic where we sell to, that is we license to these large agencies and companies and they push the app down to their users. However, recently due to the coronavirus, that has been tipped on its head because for most companies, they have laid off 80 to 100% of their workforce. And so the businesses aren't licensing apps and services to push down their users. So we are um, taking the coronavirus head on. We're taking it as an opportunity to sell directly to users and get the app into the hands of people who really, really need it. And we are actually, as a social responsibility company, making an impact by donating 50% of our sales proceeds directly to people who have been affected by the coronavirus.
0: Yeah. So speaking of coronavirus, uh, I read uh, some data recently that talked about how alcohol sales in grocery stores were up like 45%. Exactly. Uh, which is, I mean, people, Susan, people are getting hammered at home, like hammered at night, okay? As it should so, be. So, you know, it, I, okay. I, I've talked with you before, I've, yeah, as it should be, I've talked with you about this before. You've been like partnering with big government agencies and like massive Fortune 500 companies uh, but maybe these grocery stores like uh, are a big opportunity right now is that like something you're thinking about because they're, they're still in full force right people still need to eat
1: They are the licensees for um, off-premise meaning retail sales have seen a doubling in sales and I, I jokingly say as it should be I want everybody to consume responsibly, obviously, and especially when it comes to licensees, we want to be sure that the product is getting into the right hands age 21 and over. So, you know, we're doing really well. Thank goodness our government did declare alcohol and cannabis essential goods, um, and you do need IDs to buy those goods. So um, again, as a social responsibility in our core, we are trying to make the greatest impact. The app is typically $100 a year for unlimited use. We're selling it for only fifty dollars, and we're giving half of that to charity. So it's a win-win-win.
0: Yeah, this whole uh, business-plus-impact concept. I mean, the, the business school I go to, Ross in Michigan, and, and your son Dolan as well. You know, they're pushing—they're pushing this positive business, and it, it's been a trend like over the past uh, you know few years, where you really see a lot of corporate social responsibility. And I think it's really cool that coronavirus has kind of uh, created a lot more action in that department for companies. Uh, really wanting to kind of uh, affect impact a- along that triple bottom line. Exactly. You you started you started with big law before real identities. Uh, it's a pathway that I think a lot of uh, college students are thinking about. Um, you were at Femwick and then you graduated, and you have your JD in hand. Uh, did you ever see yourself becoming a, uh, an entrepreneur one day? Because I feel like a lot of people they go to law school are like, okay, I'm going go to go the partner track. Especially uh, people, you know, from from previous generations, that was kind of a, the the stable thing to do. It's like, you know, I'll go work for a firm and I'll work my way up. But you ended up launching your own company. Was that was that ever in your plans?
1: You know, it's interesting because in the back of my mind, I thought, you know, it would be great to start a company. It would be great to have an impact. Um, but at the same time, at a certain point, I did picture myself staying with large law firms all of my life. But at the law firms, I watched some people come up with some brilliant ideas and I watched them form startups and I watched those startups become some of the largest companies in the world. So as my career progressed, I ultimately realized, you know, I've got an opportunity here and I was really passionate about fake IDs and all the damage that it caused, so, or that they caused. So I started Real Identities and I brought together a team of legal and tech experts, again, some of the most brilliant people I know at those law firms and at those companies. And we're making an impact.
0: So I think a lot of uh, my friends and, and other students you know, across the country, they're interested in kind of walking the same route you did, which is going to law school. And you know, student loans are through the roof. And I think a lot of people are, are, are really carefully considering whether to make that investment in higher education. So so my question is, is it still worth it to go to law school? And is it particularly worth it if you want to like start your own business one day? Like, How does being a lawyer uh, kind of impact your business and startup perspective?
1: Yeah, you know, Michael, law school is absolutely worth a price tag. So law school doesn't necessarily teach you how to practice law. Law school teaches you how to think. And it can teach you how to outthink your opponent. It can also teach you how to think from 360 degrees and spherically at that. So you're really educating yourself. And education is always a good investment. And my law degree helped me start my own company. I was able to do my own incorporation work. And it also allows me to be um, much more conversant with the people that I'm bringing on board. they are IP attorneys, tax attorneys, et cetera. um, I need to be able to speak with them. And I would recommend it to anybody. Absolutely great experience.
0: This podcast is about the future, so we're going to continue on that note, and I want to pivot the convo uh, along that route. So let's consider something here. Over the past eight years, the government of India, uh, in an effort to digitize the distribution of their services, they collected iris, uh, your eye, uh, fingerprints, uh, and photo ID on 1.2 billion people, which I, I think is crazy. Like. That is so much data and we're seeing like a lot of new technologies influence the way that we can identify ourselves when we want goods and services. So what's coming down the pike for identification tech and and
1: how are we going to verify who we are? IDs are definitely going digital. Two of the most common forms of ID that we've got in our very near future that are already being in use that will change as we move forward are mobile driver licenses, and biometrics so mobile driver licenses are virtually the same thing as physical ids but it just appears on your device like on your cell phone the problem is they're digital so they're really really easy to forge so because of the potential for forgery most states are not allowing licensed establishments like people who sell cannabis and you know alcohol and firearms etc to use a digital driver license or a mobile driver license right Um, they are in use right now internally for some government agencies but it's going to be a while until we see commercial applications we've got one state using it we're already having problems with that state um but that's the mobile driver license then there's a much more personal form of identity the second form of identity is biometrics so we see this The most common format is fingerprints we see Mm -hmm. facial recognition right voice recognition and now we're starting to see some combinations of those for example you might get your phone You use your fingerprint to open your phone. Um, You go to your banking app and the bank recognizes your face and they say, okay, now speak. And they want to combine facial recognition with voice recognition. Or they might use this combination called gestural um, biometrics where they will tell you once they recognize your face, now smile, now blink twice, right? So it really confirms that you are you and you're not- Crazy. It's crazy, right? But it's the way to do it because honestly, when you're talking about you know, digital identities. You can forge some facial recognition with a photograph of the person. So they're asking for movement gestures so that uh, they can confirm identity. So when you're talking about like cameras and sensors and anything that can pick up these kind of movements, we're also looking at um, biometrics like walking. You can actually identify somebody by their gait, by the way that they they walk. Um, you mentioned irises a lot of people are giving up their irises um, that's a little bit frightening
0: right so uh, and when it comes to, to getting what we want Susan especially people from my generation we don't want to wait so I, I you know I never wait in the a- airport security line anymore I just use clear and we know when we want an uber on our phone uh, we want it in less than five minutes or we cancel it and, and look for another driver we use Lyft Um, and we want to transact like rapidly, like we want everything. We have the instant gratification. These technologies you just talked about, like voice recognition and and thumbprint and, and iris scans, they can identify you very quickly, uh, with little margin for error. There's still some, but little margin for error. Why should we be frightened? Like you said, about the potential for, you know, giving up you know, our, our biological indicators to right, right. private companies well, and government you know,
1: agencies. Everything is hackable and fingerprints can be hacked. Irises can be hacked. Interestingly, retinas are the only things that haven't been hacked. But your generation is going to be the one to create those technologies that make them very affordable and available, right? Your generation is going to be the one that binds the intersection of that convenience and also the technology and the compliance So giving up security for convenience is a really dangerous proposition, right? Convenience is fine, instant gratification is fine, but we have laws for a reason and we have to comply with those laws because we know what happens when we don't. And
0: on one last final note, Susan, my friends and I, we love to have fun, uh, but we're also Michigan students so we're very invested in the future. We support your business and your disruption, but, uh, do you think you could stay out of Ann Arbor until uh, February 2nd, 2021?
1: <laughs> no promises. No promises. My apologies in advance. <laughs> All right, Sorry well. to say the ID.training app is coming that way. So uh, no promises.
0: All right. Well, at least, uh, at least we got some kind of warning, everybody. Susan, thank you so much for being on the show.
1: Michael, thank you so much for having me. This has been a great pleasure. And I just want to make it clear that
0: a big part of my podcast is especially connecting students to mentors and for potential internships. Are you guys looking to hire right now? Are you looking for, for, to, to talk to
1: students who are really interested in your space? Absolutely. We track the fake ID and real ID markets daily. We track the legal market and the technology markets daily. We are hiring. We're looking for people. I would encourage them to reach out to you. If you could please put them in touch with me, I'd love to talk with them.
0: Fantastic. Ladies and gentlemen, that was Susan Dorak, founder and CEO of Real Identities. Are you a student who is interested in the future of law, technology, and policy? Shoot me a DM on Instagram, at Michael Sikand, and I can connect you to her to further this conversation that we've had here today. Next week, I'm going to be exploring the future of the electric supercar with my dad, an entrepreneur, Shiv Sikand, who just debuted the Draco GTE. Thank you for listening to our future. Stay frosty.